The CCUA episode 20 with Logan Gelbrick. Traveler, the path is your tracks and nothing more. Traveler, there is no path. The path is made by walking. By walking, you make a path. In turning, you look back at a way you will never tread again. Traveler, there is no road, only wakes in the sea. This is the Sisu Way, a show about grit, gratitude, character, philosophy, fitness, leadership, service, and what it means to choose strength. My name is Scott McGee. I'm a family man, friend, thinker, guardian, and a mindful warrior with an open mind on a path of gratitude and service who loves to connect with unconquerable souls. Now that opening was chosen from, uh, by Logan, and it's f- written by uh, uh, Antonio Machado who was alive from 1875 to 1939. Uh, I had asked Logan, like, hey, do you have like a favorite poem, short story, quote? It's kind of a difficult question to answer because it's not like this episode is going to define your life, right? But it's still like when you say, hey, what's something that's going to represent the message you're trying to put out? It's a hard choice, but it didn't take you that long. It's almost as hard as what's your favorite movie, you know? Yeah, you but know, just de- declaring that thing is. I is find that an offensive question. It's totally. Like, why are you putting the stress on me? Yeah, it's not my responsibility. But something that's interesting about this. So it's, he was um, Spain's master poet. I, did, I, I started looking him up, uh, and he is described as the explorer of dream and landscape, and of consciousness below language, and widely regarded as the greatest 20th century poet who wrote in Spanish. Um, obviously, and and uh, and translated in several different ways into English, but he's a poet that was intensely introspective and meditative. So I'm not surprised that you're kind of drawn to him. That's right. Yeah, that's um, it's a meaningful quote for me because I think uh, I want to hear it. You know, I want other people to hear it. Um, and for whatever reason, I think a lot of my my interests and the the work that I'm doing, not just for myself but for other people, is to bring awareness to the, that idea. You know, I just observe a lot of people um, justifying following a sort of socialized path or or or, or uh, giving up their own sort of inquiry into themselves. Uh, for like the safety of something they've seen before you know and uh, I think if we we create enough space in our life we realize that uh, it would be I've said this before it would be a ridiculous coincidence if your life looked like someone else's you know why would that be the case yet we we sort of seek that and that's a human nature thing seeking some sort of security and safety and familiarity and paths give us that right yep and to highlight the the i think the meat and potatoes is the and you know this is something that you highlighted was traveler there is no path the path is made by walking you'll be a doer we hold the pen right how we will write our story uh also here my notes i started writing because you know how these 
podcasts are supposed to be, right? There's some magical template where you start talking and you read something witty and then you start describing the person. You tell people to go follow you. There's call to actions. There's all this That's stuff right. you're supposed to do. Like, follow my lifting program, buy my stuff, earn me money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But in here, I started writing. I was like, I wrote, you know, I wrote your name and I was starting to like go through and like, how do you introduce my boy Logan here? And so the stuff that just came out, this is, I'm going to read exactly what I wrote. This will be interesting. Because huh? normally, you know, it's like, oh, ex, you know, former baseball player, mm-hmm. you know, douche him. Yeah. So I started writing. I wrote, is a, uh, a writer, reader, thinker, intelligence user, feeler, blah, student of the game, dot, 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 good man, dot, 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 Shoshin. I like that. That's what I wrote. That's maybe my favorite, <laughs> my favorite intro. That's cool. There you go, guys. <laughs> so I was writing, man, I'm writing, I'm like, you know, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Logan's a good man. And so that's what I wrote. All right. I'll take it. Um, also, before we even really get into the, the weeds here, was in getting ready for this episode, uh, this is number 20. And I don't know, I think six of them I, I did by myself, mm-hmm. plus or minus. But this one, I've um, earned the privilege, and I'm grateful for it, but I felt the most pressure. Oh, really? Uh-oh. I felt the most pressure. Uh, because this show, I'm really asserting myself. Obviously, this episode, but the show, I'm asserting myself. You know, I'm not, this isn't, I'm giving this my all. Like, I'm not faking it. You care deeply. I do, yeah. Deeply, I care deeply about the guests and, I, and, and very deeply about the listeners. Mm-hmm. The listeners that are, you know, if you're listening to this, I know there's all kinds of other things competing for your attention out there. There's all kinds of other podcasts, there's radio, there's Pandora, mm-hmm. there's, you know, Lady Gaga, there's all kinds of stuff that you're, you could be listening to. But you're listening to this, and I'm very grateful for it, and I respect the time that you're taking. And so I'm here asserting myself. And part of that uh, asserting myself is is something that I've learned from watching you. Wow. You know, we've talked over the years. We've done, I don't know how many episodes of the Wadcast over the years. Yeah. Uh, I think we both have kind of traveled a great distance. That's right. In our growth from probably those, some of those early episodes. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I was tired of just kind of, like, going through the, going uh, through the motions. Mm-hmm. And so part of the lessons that you've put out there have woken me up to, to really push the edge. And I'm, we'll get into this later, but I'm pushing hard on this. That's cool. I recognize that. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And, and it reminds me of, and there's some parallels here, but um, the baseball that I have back here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever told you the story. Mm-mm. I see I, it. I don't have much stuff and you don't see like trophies. Yeah. You don't have, I don't have pictures of me like, doing you know whatever people put pictures of i don't have like my jersey framed i don't have like it's not like yeah but that thing up there is um gosh i think it's 1991 okay uh little little league i'm at bat and i'm just up at bat right trying not to strike out of course i'm like don't strike out oh my god don't strike out everyone's watching you he's a you know, he's a little bit, he's a guy that's a little bit older, right? Yeah. In the league, you know, he's yeah. got the heat, he's yeah. got a curveball. Right. you know, I'm that's like scared. Right. Like, so I'm just up there, like trying not to strike out. Mm-hmm. And then 
he's not pitching crazy. It's, it's hittable. Mm-hmm. So I step out of the box, and then my dad, who awesome guy for stepping up and, and coaching me, or coaching the team in Little League, which I've learned now going full circle with my kids, he said, Scotty, hit a home run. Wow. And I had this weird click in my head. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. Next pitch, bink. Really? Over the fence, over Olympic, Grand Slam home run. Come on. Like, first one I've ever hit out the park. <laughs> That's amazing. And so, to me, it wasn't it, like, okay, yeah, sweet. I hit a home run. That's insane. But that wasn't the point. It was like a lesson in actually asserting myself. Don't go up there and try not to strike out. Mm-hmm. Try to hit a home run. Yeah. So that's why that's up there. It's a reminder of asserting myself. As someone who has dabbled in that sport, uh, I have an extra appreciation because there's so many variables in that thing that, I mean, if a listener doesn't have experience with the sport, you might just think like home run, that's like making a basket, you know, or something like, it's like walking on water. You know what I mean? Like, and the fact that just the scenario worked out that way is pretty magical. Yeah. It's, it's also a, a moment that I still have, you know, my dad passed away, but he's still teaching me that lesson, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I also wrote in here and I want to make some, some ground rules. You know, I wrote you know, that you're a world-class coach, right? World-class human, uh, famous amongst leaders, which is a thing. Yes, it is. Okay. Um, well-respected, uh, done a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. you're like a professional podcast guest at this point it's born in 1985 it's a millennial thing it's like yeah. a cut off I'm in no you're really zone. good at it <laughs> you're good you. thank you but uh for this episode okay i want to talk to my friend okay i like that yeah <laughs> I, and no pressure um i just want to talk to my buddy logan okay i'm not going to talk to well the other guy will come out okay so Speaking to my, my, my friend Logan, my first question to you is, are you happy? Man, we'll, we'll, start, we'll, we'll start big. Um, Scott, this is maybe the most interesting time in my life to answer this question. I think the last couple years of my life have... The way I sort of describe it is um, sort of waking up to the idea that the answer to that question is no. And what's interesting about sort of waking up, and I'm just sort of riffing this live with you, is that you wake up and nothing has really changed. It's an awareness thing, right? So, So coming to a certain awareness, nothing tangible has changed in your life, but you cannot unsee a certain amount of awareness that wasn't there before. So if you're blind to something, if something lives inside of a blind spot in your life, it is there, you just can't see it. And um, I'm very grateful and I'm very hurt <laughs> simultaneously uh, for, for that awareness. And I have grown... Um, as much as I've grown in the previous 30 years of my life as I have in the last two um, because of that awareness. And 
as someone who can maybe for a quick second step outside of myself and observe myself, I would cheerlead and hope and root for my ability to step into that awareness the same way that I've stepped into other things in my life. And, uh, yeah, we'll do that with great vulnerability. I think that vulnerability is, is, and will be, uh, one of your greatest tools. Uh, talking, um, first of all, I feel like there's a tremendous amount of love for you. And what I mean by that is exactly that, but I feel like I can hear you without talking to you. Mm-hmm. And so I know that question was going to get there. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're aware. And I think we are connected in that way. I think we see each other or we see ourselves in each other. And uh, I think the first time I felt that was when you used to nudge me to be a, a, a police officer, you know, and I think we had just sort of built upon that, that connection over the years. So that was when you were doing functional fitness on the bluffs, um, which was a beautiful thing. And if you were part of it, you're lucky. Mm-hmm. And that nudge just came from, uh, again, circling back to the intro is that you're a good man and you care about other people. You're smart. You're a problem solver. You have common sense. Those are all awesome characteristics of a public servant and to be a professional good guy. Who gets to use like the physical attributes and everything? Now, in, a, in, a, in another universe, you would and could be very successful down that path. Mm-hmm. But I'm also super grateful that you didn't do it. Yeah. And you're very clear then, as you probably are now, Mm-hmm. Is that you're very, very driven and um, goal oriented on being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And then, which I obviously respected. Mm-hmm. But it was a thing I want to present because growing up, I didn't have that presented to me. Mm-hmm. Nobody I knew, I didn't know, have any friends, no family, nothing. Yeah. I kind of just stumbled upon it through doing some introspection. Yeah. Plus the team part, the team, you know. Of course. There's a get, lot of good reason for it. Yeah, you go in a locker room, you get to put on your uniform, has totally. your number and name. Like, it's, it's a lot of... Totally. Uh, but I also know, like, being that introverted and introspective has a cost. Mm-hmm. And talking, observing from, from my position and talking to people, uh, I, you know, if I ever ask somebody, hey, is, would you say Logan's a happy guy? Mm-hmm. What do you think they would say? That's an interesting question. Um, because I, I also try to extend my awareness to how I may be showing up in other people's lives. And a couple themes come up. One is I perceive that I likely have a world-class resting bitch face at all times. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm, I'm very quiet, so I think... I generally perceive in the people that I work with and work around that there's an intimidation factor sometimes. It's perceived as like, um, yeah, difficult to approach. I think the people who are closest to me, however, would agree that I'm 
I'm very easy to approach and that I'm very open and, and kind or whatever. Um, yeah, I think they would, they would say yes, but right. They would be able to begin yeah. to explain away like my introversion the same way that you are. A couple of things that helped me with that was, um, the way of the peaceful warrior, Dan Millman was well, from Socrates in the book, but Dan Millman, you know, the three, uh, there's there's three rules of life or three things that are always there uh, paradox humor and change i like that that was a a movie we watched uh, every year in college on the on the bus with coach hill nice take out the trash but that's the thing paradox humor and change and so it's okay to smile and just laugh at the whole because this is all like silliness yeah that that paradox is a really big one, much bigger than uh, I think is difficult to talk about without people sort of rolling their eyes because it's it's corny and it's that big, which is like, does any of this really matter? You know, that conversation, right? And, 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 and on the other side of that is, that of course, of course that this matters, but holding those truths simultaneously takes a little extra courage and a little extra perspective which is that we decide what is meaningful and and you know in one hand is this meaning and in the other hand is this silliness that you're talking about i think that's a balance of love and wisdom um this came i i wish i remember who said this and i'm gonna paraphrase the heck out of it but they're talking about how love makes you feel like you are everything you're a part of everything mm-hmm. you know you know everything Every, you're connected to everything wisdom says you know nothing and you yeah. right yeah and so it's like it's life kind of is is surfing along those those two waves yeah it's it's a beautiful opportunity that we we get a taste of with two feet on the ground this this thing love uh but because we have two feet on the ground uh yeah, we're, we we cannot possibly grasp the totality of this thing. Nothing matters, but everything matters. Fully. But for sure, nothing matters. Right? <laughs> like even, even the existence of humans in the course of Earth, as told in books that I, I'm going to believe are true, mm-hmm. like even the, the amount of time the Earth has been around, the, if it was a 24-hour clock, if you take that, just humans, I think, have barely reached one second. Yeah, so it's the galactic calendar. My, my friends Luke and Tex and I from Power Athlete love to talk about the galactic calendar. Uh, and it's a calendar year. So if the Big Bang was at midnight on January 1st, and this current moment that we're talking is midnight on December 31st, you know, it's something like, I have these these stats in my book, actually, I make reference to the galactic calendar. Oh, good. It's, uh, I think agriculture came like three minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, our, our lifetime is inside of one second kind of thing. Just the context is, is helpful to, 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 I don't know check the human ego for a sec yeah yeah i started thinking about like hey what was my great 
grandpa like in his 30s? <laughs> he could have been the biggest dick ever. Yeah. Or the most awesome guy ever. Mm-hmm. Does that have anything to do with me right now? I don't know. Totally. Right? It might have nothing. It might have everything. <laughs> totally. Um, hey, another thing I want to talk about is this uh, the Sisu hammer that I have here that I think a lot of the listeners and people following on Instagram might have seen. That's right. Which is actually Logan's. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been, I've been working hard to not pull, take credit for that hammer. Yeah, yeah. No, that, <laughs> but he came in and I told him, don't even make eye contact with it. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, I did Murph with it at, at Deuce, as um, you guys do annually there. Mm-hmm. And I saw it there obviously drawn to it and carried it for the entire um, Murph and then held it in my feet, mm-hmm. right? Didn't let it get put down mm-hmm. and then asked you if I could have it and you said yes. Reluctantly, of course. No, I'm glad you had No, it. no, absolutely. But I, there's something that I want to say uh, about it. And one of the things is I wrote down here in my notes uh, when it talks about like building character and it says you cannot dream yourself into character you must hammer and forge yourself right so that's one of the things that represents for me you have to work hard you hammer and forge yourself you're not just going to sit there and get stronger you're not just going to sit there and build character you're not going to sit there and help people but it's also um that day i carried it as if it were representing um, arms or a rifle or a tool of protection of service. And so it was, a, it was a, an external manifestation metaphor for that. And so I carried it because of uh, a lot of people out there that can't anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, or, and there's other people that would love to have or might have had regret in not doing it. Uh, and so caring is really just a sign of, of gratitude for the ability to do so. Right. Yeah. And so there's also this relationship of when carrying it or doing work with it, here's this thing that is starting to get difficult. And so if you ha- if you're carrying something external and it's starting to get difficult, whether that thing is uh, a sandbag or this hammer or, or friendship or a circumstance, mm-hmm. you might start automatically thinking, oh my gosh, this thing is starting to get heavy. My arms are getting weak. Oh my gosh, I just want to put it down. Or you can think, oh my gosh, this thing is making me stronger. Mm-hmm. This thing is going to make me more uncomfortable. This thing is helping me. This thing is nothing compared to me. Mm-hmm. So it's a little reminder for all that stuff. Yeah, that's, uh, and I remember that day. I remember you, you carrying that. And there, there's a lot there in what you just said. Some of it I think you intended, and maybe even more that you you might not have thought about. Um, yes, carrying that was like a little bit of uh, symbolism, a little bit of gratitude. It turned into a little extra burden on that second mile. You know, maybe halfway through the pull-ups, you're like, oh, man, this is tougher than not having this thing. You know, you know, it's a burden not having hands. Totally. (laughs) The extra part though, that is inside of that conversation, in my opinion, is you carried that 
throughout that whole ordeal, you know, 50 minutes, whatever hour. Uh, but you're not still carrying it. You know, mm-hmm. you carried that, that and endured that burden as long as it served you. Uh, but it'd be hard to like take the kids to school with it. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, they look at you, or... they'd look at you weird at work with it. Yep. You know, so it's hanging up on the wall now. And I think it's a fine line. You're someone who is complex enough and aware enough to, and courageous enough to take on a burden and endure that thing and be grateful and all that. But people like you and I can get into trouble sometimes where we never put down the hammer, you know, and and that, that, you know, the Zen Buddhist meditation analogy is often like, uh, carrying a bag of, of rocks, you know, and you go through your life and you begin to pick them up and add them to your satchel. And now (laughs) you get a couple decades in and you're, you've yet to allow yourself to put down that that burden and so i'm glad that it's on the wall right now easily comes right off (laughs) that's right (laughs) you know so when you're describing that the thought i was having was um the image that comes up a lot in in meditation or in my stillness or in my practice of uh non-action versus action Mm -hmm. and that is uh sitting i find myself sitting on like this little tiny island in the middle of a river mm-hmm. and just observing all like the debris and logs and all the stuff that goes by and then understanding there's a whole path we can go down but understanding that i can control the water i start to control the water i start to make the water clean i slow down the debris in it mm-hmm. and then something that goes by let's just say it's a bunch of logs stuck together or a mm-hmm. tree where before I might like freak out and yell and point and like try to jump on it and grab it and be, yeah. and then like let watch as it go. I'm trying to cling onto it. I'm trying to cling onto it. Now I'm getting, and then it goes and I'm upset about it and I'm crying as it goes. Mm-hmm. But now I've learned to um, observe it, acknowledge it. And then there it goes. Yeah. That is the, a certain level of stoic mastery. And I don't want to be insensitive or, or dark, but, I was sort of whacked over the head with that daily practice, not a theoretical one, but that true practice. Um, A kid I grew up with uh, was killed not too long ago in a car accident. And um, I visited him in the hospital. Uh, He was on life support and there was a chance, small chance that he could have survived this. And this is a very tragic event, obviously, you know, I don't need to explain that. Um, some emotions that come up are anger, sadness, the whole thing, right? Uh, for myself, for other people, for his family, especially. And I had an experience that I never would have anticipated in visiting him in the hospital. And I was able to be in the room with him alone. And I've never seen this outside of the movies, seeing someone I love on life support. And, uh, I was able to talk to him and and stay with him for some time and i never could have anticipated a certain calm that came over me that he was okay and that i'm okay and that everything about this situation will be okay whether he wakes up or not you know me having a 
dog in the fight, so to speak, that I'm rooting and needing him to wake up is my own feelings about this situation. And uh, when you're meditating and you're watching these, let's say, adverse events, you know, your water's not clean, Scott. (laughs) I want this water. Why can't I clean this thing? And uh, when we can sort of transcend that and observe our own feelings and emotions is a, an important skill, I think, to, to practice and see. Uh, you know what that is? Surrender. Yeah. There's a certain... Um, our ego, human beings want to have some sort of control and practicing being able to exist without full control is uh, it's a skill you either earn and you can deploy out in the world or you suffer from the inability to have that skill. And uh, I really believe that you and I and anybody else can resist that as much as we want. Uh, but you're going to be standing in a hospital room or you're going to be experiencing some adverse events in your life, whether you like it or not. And your peace, your inner peace will be largely predicated on your ability to sit on that island and watch the logs go by and be okay. You know, um, I've been around, obviously professionally around a whole bunch of death, um, life support, um, dying declarations. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff obviously is wears on somebody. Right. So first of all, like, that's a rough thing to, to go through, right? So I also want to point out there's a huge lesson here. And part of the theme I, I bring up a lot is things happen if you focus on the pain you suffer, but if you focus on the lesson, you grow. Mm-hmm. So it's like two paths, right? You, you get to pick. Um, Josh Montz, who's... Um, I had, he was on the Wadcast episode. Uh, he, he, uh, in the army was shot through his staff, by a sniper through the, his, uh, staff sergeant's aorta. And then the round went into his femoral artery. Wow. Fascinating story, right? He ends up flatlining for 15 minutes. And based on the work the medics did and the uh, blood transfusions and everything and not quitting, they brought him back. Mm-hmm. But through death, um, he said when he finally like surrendered, he had never felt better in his whole life. And I also, and these people are completely independent of each other, had Nitro, you know, Dan Clark on mm-hmm. this show and he has his book, F Dying, um, which I highly recommend you guys go check out. It's very similar to this show, actually, a lot of the themes in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said the same thing. It was, it, it was surrendering. It was, it was how he felt the most happy, the most powerful. And this is him in the hospital facing death. Now, I think we, you and I both have this relationship with Memento Mori, mm-hmm. which is this thing up above my right shoulder here, is obviously we can't go and just like go get you know, hit by a car or, or do whatever and like get to that point. Mm-hmm. I don't think you necessarily need to ex- experience it if you have the ability to constantly think and remember with a little flicker of thought mm-hmm. that this is all 
super temporary and easily taken away. Mm-hmm. Everything is easily taken away. And so if you have that, if you know, like this is easily taken away it by, by a power that you're not in control of, surrendering that, you can't control everything, right? Or you can't get mad at rain. Yeah. Well, you can't get mad at rain, but you're going to lose. Like, stop raining. You know, hey, man, you got to surrender, buddy. It's it's raining. Uh, And that has become uh, a little bit more free, more freedom. And, you know, I don't know if that's something that, you know, is going on with you. If it's surrendering, um, if if it's something you're constantly battling like, what would you say? Like, what are you battling right now? Because I want to say, and I, I want to point this out. Mm-hmm. Our greatest battles are the ones we, we wage within. Oh, yeah, for sure. And so this is, it's a reminder for the listeners. And so this is you know, an important question. That is, what, what are you battling with? Yeah, I, I, I think we're all battling. And I would like to live in a place where I can, not that my battles need to be important to everyone, but uh, at least that I'm living a more honest life where, uh, I don't know, it's normalized to live and, and speak and be open about your struggle. I think a lot of people, look, I'm very grateful for my life. My life is crazy comfortable. Uh, it's been very um, resistant to adversity, uh, but nonetheless, I struggle. And uh, I've observed that, and I think many others can relate, is that my strengths have shadows. You know, as, as tall as they may stand as strengths, there is a distinct shadow there. So what has served me really well in my life, for example, uh, is a, a certain work ethic that manifests as like an ability to endure and I think we all can imagine what's available to someone who can do that. You know, you see things through, you get things done with a certain attention to detail, you become reliable, resourceful, you get results maybe. These are some positive things. Uh, but if that is your default strategy for success, uh, the shadow may look like uh, taking on responsibility for others. I care so deeply. I know you do too. And if I'm around individuals who don't care, my default strength is a weakness in some ways that I will take on their burdens for them. It's really hard to push away and resist resentment when you do that. It's very hard to hold relationships accountable as a, I don't want to say fair, but a, a mutual ex- exchange and that's a weird catch 22 because if that's your strength then yeah you can do it you can right up until you can't and um that is what has disturbed my peace the most in my life right now and so i am sitting in and bearing the responsibility for structuring my life in a way that fulfills me and fuels me and that my strength can be a strength and not be a liability to my 
ability to show up and my ability to experience joy and accomplish the things I want to accomplish and live the life I want to live, you know. Those shadows, right? You, have, you said uh, column or pillars. Yeah, strength. Right? And then, and then you're talking about the shadows. Those are 100% necessary, right? And this is something I've, in, in, in some of my journey, I've started to kind of figure out, is like trying to have just as much appreciation and gratitude for those pillars of strength as I do for the shadows. Mm-hmm. To have as much appreciation for victories as I do defeats Mm -hmm. to have appreciation for, uh, the, the go getters and the overachievers as a, as opposed to the person that's completely happy sitting around on Sunday all day long watching TV because it, it, it it keeps me like at a, at a, uh, this like neutral, beginner's mind. I mentioned Shoshin earlier on. It means like beginner's mind, keeping like that hugely humble thing. Cause again, I'm like, who am I to decide what makes other people happy? Totally. Cause if somebody doesn't want to go out and be their best self, they just want to be happy, eat Doritos, eat some ice cream, go to subway, you know, $5 foot long, like, but they're happier than say the person that's constantly striving to do their best. And if someone's happy and enjoying the shit out of their, excuse me, kids, uh, of their life, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, th- I speak about my college experience with, with my teammates. By the way, no offense to Subway. I love That's Subway. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, my college experience, almost always in a positive light because it's, it is that to me, massively impactful. That being said, amongst those core group of guys who are able to accomplish something significant in a short period of time, some of us that are closest recognize that this sort of pendulum can swing too far. And this is the the shadow thing that we're talking about right now, which is we created such a beautiful culture that was able to overachieve and maximize our ability to such an extreme extent to where we sought adversity we we like were fueled by that thing the harder the better that's how we made our money so to speak and this is a great quality but on the flip side of that same coin is I remember being that douchebag who would drive down Garnett Boulevard and Pacific Beach San Diego on a Sunday after just having trained at 5 a.m. and you're going out trying to win a national championship and you're, you're seeing all these lemmings, these sheep, you know, in, in our words, civilians, like, because we're just douchebags and this is how we think, uh, who don't get it in air quotes and they're all walking to the bars in their charger jerseys. Like, who are these non-contributing conformist fans or wasting away their Sunday with six beers, watching a game that doesn't matter, that they have no control over, that they're not contributing to. If they only got it mm-hmm. and could contribute and be a savage like us is the douchebag mentality that we had. Um, and you, you're shaking your head at these people. And then you get 12 years down the road of being allegedly a guy that gets it. who can't remember the last time he had a good time. 
doesn't know what joy is or how to have fun. You're just like, who's the, the joke on now? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the judgment that you're talking about. And so I would love to learn something from people that know how to at five o'clock have a good time and relax. Cause I don't remember how to do that. Uh, that was coming up. <laughs> okay. That was coming up. Uh, so also part of this whole, this whole thing is that, you know, not, not necessarily here to, to make others understand you, but also to help you understand yourself and also myself. This is a process that we go to together, but something else I want to share with you mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna get back to that. And that is, um, your friend and my future podcast guest, hopefully Dr. Kara Miller. Oh yeah. Uh, she gave me some little some little notes, right? Oh shoot, you did your homework. Okay, dude, I almost started going over to your family. Uh, <laughs> if, if it wasn't for this whole day job thing, okay. where I could be a whole family and a whole profession, I was going to go full background investigator. Okay. Um, because then again, and you've talked about this before, is I have my blind spots, and so I have to go search out other people with different perspectives. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm aware of all that, and I like to listen to other people's perspectives about the whole thing. But this is what she told me, and it's her, her equation. Okay. She told me to hold, hold you steady with love, push you deep with humility, and be willing to go there with him courageously. That's big. That sounds like a Dr. Miller thing. And so uh, I'm keeping that in mind. And that's part of also why the format I'm having for this, uh, and especially for the people that have and if they haven't, but they really should, is listen to a lot of the podcasts that you've been on. Because mm-hmm. I find, I, I'm a fan of it. I find your mind and thought process very fascinating. And uh, almost like it's information I've always known, but now I hear it and now I've learned it when you say it. Um, but doing all this, right, there is a cost. And so like you said, and my, one of my questions was for you is, what do you do for fun? Like, what do you do? actually just go and do for fun and have full of joy and frolic and enjoy the, the crap out of this Disneyland of life? Man, that's a great question. And I think it, it generally, uh, it's sort of like a tragic answer because I have asked myself that very question in this process. You know, I'm like deeply involved in, uh, in therapy and a lot of important work for my own life. And... I, I don't know the answer to that that question. I do know the arc in getting towards a place where I can experience joy is a long one, and I'll let you know when I get there. <laughs> um, I've learned enough about myself to recognize that I am extremely introverted, and that's that's almost like super played out. I'm like literally rolling my eyes as I say that. Uh, because I think introverted people can't wait to bring it up. Um, But I do recognize that I am fueled by time alone, and I need that. I need to be able to think through things. I I like to think before I speak. I like to be mindful about my thoughts and decisions. And in a lot of ways, I've created a lifestyle, curated a lifestyle on purpose that hasn't really recognize that and it's it's sacrificed that quite a bit um to where uh, i'm often put in a position where 
I need to be available for people. And so the, the sort of most direct answer is I find that I seek joy and fun by being alone. And I, I truly believe that that is not my final answer. And then I can get to a place where my life is balanced enough to where I can, cause what I really want to do is share joy and have fun with other people, you know? Um, and so, uh, this is all living inside of the shadow of, I will, I will do anything to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish sometimes to my own detriment, you know, and, um, some of the things that I'm trying to accomplish are really hard, you know, and, uh, there's 24 hours in a day. Maybe the ones that are devoted towards fun get put on timeout first, you know? So I'm learning that. I got two things to say about this. Number one, uh, solitude is not a weakness. It's a strength. Mm -hmm. And for people like you, it's, uh, you need it. You need it. Otherwise you're going to go off the deep end. Yeah. You have to recharge. Uh, sometimes being around crowds, being around people, being around stimulus is draining. Yeah. Uh, I actually struggle with that because, and I love them to death, obviously, but my, my family, my kids, there's not much, it's hard for me to get solitude. Totally. Um, I do it at nighttime, most yeah. of the time. Yeah. Or sometimes at work. You know, it's, it's a weird thing, but I'm very aware of it. Hence this space. Yeah. <laughs> you look around, this is like, I got my mats, I got my meditation stool over here. Um, I need this to be nice and clean where I can be alone to recharge. Also, the ability to have fun and laugh and frolic. And so I didn't think about this until right now listening to you speak. Mm -hmm. But if you'll allow me, I'm going to give you a present if you're still around in a couple hours. Okay. And that present is going to be playing baseball with my five-year-old. Wow. I'd like that. Because you're going um, to see the amount of passion and drive and how much love that he has for life and mm -hmm. the amount of love. Like he loves playing catch more than anything that like I get excited about. And there's nothing more exciting to me in life right now as playing catch with, with a baseball with him right now. That's so cool. And so when you're doing it, the ball's coming at you, right? You're playing catch. And so that ball is coming at you. All you're thinking about, right, is catching the ball. You're focused on that ball and you're thinking about catching the ball. You're not thinking about Mm -hmm. the hold the standard summit you're yeah. not thinking about your blog you're not thinking about next week you're not thinking about oh my gosh deadlines or oh my gosh my book or oh my editing you're not mm -hmm. thinking all oh, that is n it's it's all over there yeah you're just sitting there playing catch with a kid and how awesome it is it's beautiful and the giggles and the laughter and the jokes and the mistakes you make and the laughter at the mistakes, mm -hmm. like something that we might take kind of seriously and you realize how funny and goofy it is. And mm -hmm. like, why am I taking this so serious? It's hilarious. Yeah. So, um, I recommend that, uh, that's what we're going to do it no matter what, if he's still around also, um, is volunteering for a kid sport. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's tough. Cool. You know, if something, it, it is tough. Uh, I, I think I could be choosy about how that, that goes. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah because yeah. sport of baseball, if, if it's of a certain age, I'm going to go into a certain zone where now I'm working, you know? Well, here's the beauty, here's yeah. the beauty of this. Yeah. 
is I'm like watching like a little lab experiment with my five-year-old. Mm-hmm. And Caden, when you're listening to this later and you're playing for the Dodgers, uh, right. just know it started when you were five years old. Okay. <laughs> but there's something that he, he does. And I know you've, you've spoke about this before, but it is so incredibly amazing to watch the rapid assault of development mm-hmm. with every single throw of the ball, every single pitch, every, every time I throw the ball towards him, every time he swings a bat, it's like a massive adaptation going on mm-hmm. where six months ago with a tennis ball, I was like, oh my gosh, I would <laughs> gently throw it towards him and yeah. I'd aim kind of like to the left side of his body right. so it wouldn't, if he missed it, it wouldn't hit him. Yeah. So his glove could just kind of like be there. Yeah. And now I'm like winding up. He wants me to throw a, do- a dodger throw. Yeah. So he drops down in a catcher stance and That's I'm winding amazing. up and chucking it at him. Yeah. <laughs> and his glove is moving, it's, it's moving up and fingers up, fingers down. Mm-hmm. His adaptation across the whole, uh, you know, the whole clock here. Mm-hmm. Incredible. That's cool. He's getting twice as good every throw almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the thing is, each, each, each mistake, he's like happy about it. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is an opportunity for me to grow. I'm going to get better right now. Yeah. And then the next pitch or next throw in that little area, he's adapted. Boom. It's fascinating. And like, I feel very, very lucky that my little five year old is teaching me these life lessons. Yeah. You get to on the daily stay with that. That's the, I mean, that gets to the heart of this is the reason why you've heard me say it is the heart of what uh, I'm most passionate about on the education side, you know. And uh, if we could only take that approach to skill development with us because we all want to be good at stuff you know but somehow we grow up and we become really resistant to feedback that doesn't feel good and now we are the feedback loop or the improvement that we make are slower if at all yep and uh yeah that's cool you get to see that front and center The best in the game that are, the guys that are thirty five do that as well. Still, you know that that's that's the secret. Is that that that's the uh, this fascination I have with uh, Shoshin, the beginner's mind, and keeping that. Mm-hmm. If you stay within a beginner's mind, you always have something to learn. If you start considering yourself an expert or a master, you're not learning anymore. Yeah, like nothing. It, it, your learning experience or opportunities in your own mind start to shrink. It's a general word of advice to people is let someone else call you a master. Yeah. (laughs) You know, the moment you're doing that, then you, you have ceased to grow. You know, I've also been fascinated. We brought up master, the word, but I've been fascinated with the the line of your life becomes a masterpiece when you learn to master peace. Wow. Yeah. That's been like, like, like a ping pong ball just in my dome. It's amazing. Yeah. And and it's funny because you look, I mean, I look to the extremes. I think I like to learn lessons in the extremes and see how they kind of work backwards toward the the center of the bell curve, you know? And it's like the most capable people of like professional violence are usually the most peaceful people. And so what's in there? What's in that for me? You know, is is it not as dumb and, and surface level as the best war fighters in the world just walk into rooms like a bull in a china closet and they pick a bunch of bar fights or whatever or or all the jujitsu black belts the sweetest softest guys 
And if we need to, you know, use violence, it's going to happen. Let's be clear. But, uh, why is that the case? Right. And I think the more we look towards masters, we realize that is, is mastering this, this domain, having it inside of your scope, but living inside of peace. Yep. That's the thing, man. Mastering peace. And that's like this whole, like, like everything I've been doing lately is just kind of like trying to figure out peace and happiness with myself. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's really helped me, I talked about this on episode 18. Uh, you know, for a long time, I didn't realize it, but I was depressed. Yeah. And we've spoken about this, you know, offline. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's important to talk about, at least for, for listeners to understand and I say that with with the the, the 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 tagline of vulnerability is strength, and so hopefully people kind of hold us both in in some 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 you know highish regard, or or otherwise they're probably not listening if they think we're not, we are knuckleheads, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, of course. But you know, individually, we both have had our own struggles with ourselves, and and for me. For a long time, I didn't realize it. I was in like this stinky room, and I didn't realize it was stinky. Mm-hmm. And eventually, I left, and I went back, came back in. And I was like, "Wow, this room stinks." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was going through this weird thing where I didn't talk as much as I normally would. I certainly didn't smile. I realized I was not smiling very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually a period of time where I didn't even want to exercise. I didn't work out for like a long time. I started eating like crap. This is funk. Yeah. Um, but there was a couple of things that really helped. One of the, the big things that really helped me was really letting go and doing the Wim Hof breathing mm-hmm. and getting into the whole breathing thing and this whole journey in. And it helped me get rid of a lot of grief that I didn't really, I didn't, wasn't even aware I was carrying. Yeah. Like a massive amount of grief. And I wish I could pinpoint it and say, this is the, this is what it was from. And here it is. Yeah. But whatever it was, it helped. It, it took it away from me. And I felt like my, I was light again. Yeah. And I felt like I was smiling like I used to smile. And what I mean by that is, is if I go back before I was in law enforcement, there was that person, right? Mm-hmm. Who, who's gone, right? Looking back though, it's gone. Like I'm, I'm never going to, can't go backwards. Yeah. But, I had a certain way I smiled and I, even in certain photos, I looked different. Mm-hmm. You can see it in my eyes mm-hmm. and then got exposed to things um, internally and externally that changed me and it changed, it, it took away my smile a bit and changed it. And so through, through doing some of this stuff, also going to therapy um, and, and which I, I highly recommend, which I definitely want to talk about with you yeah. is, is, is surrendering, um, being completely comfortable with those struggles, mm-hmm. not trying to hide it, surrendering, letting it go, like actually, like let it go. Yeah. And just that term, let it go, and in some of the breathing, uh, you, know, you can almost hear Wim Hof saying it, it's let it go. He's talking about breath, but is he really? Right. And really, really just letting it go. And so one of the things I want to say to listeners, like I know each and every one of you is holding on to something. And it's like, it's poison and that's poison that you're drinking thinking it's going to affect somebody else or it's going to help you. And really it's just going to affect you. Yeah. So you have that poison, you have that bag of weights that you're bearing. 
if you can, take a deep breath, exhale even longer, and let it go. And you might recover your smile. Yeah. And so with you, I see this like, you're such a huge like beacon of light for others. You're one of those for me. You're like, a, I, I self-regulate myself because of you. I study hard all, like, all, all these books. In fact, this book right here next to me, Mindset, is, is, uh, is the book that you give your coaches, a mandatory reading. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if Logan has recommended this, I'm going to read it too. It's amazing. Um, but so there's a cost at it, right? And so I really care about you. And so this is part of like obviously the beginning part of this whole podcast is, is talking about what's going on with inside you. Yeah. Um, you know, when did this whole thing start with you or when did you notice it? Yeah. So almost like two years ago now, um, again, like I said, it's an awareness thing. So it's something that with this awareness, I can look back and see it much further. Uh, but I began to come into this awareness a couple years ago and I realized that I had used my endurance as a crutch to accomplish the things that I want to crut to to accomplish and and that left me holding a lot of responsibility in spite of nurturing myself and I specifically did that with most all of the relationships in my life uh, I I built them in a way that I was in service to other people, but because I felt like I could, I would never declared or, or communicated. I was either unwilling or unable to demand what I need. And so with that came this sort of moment where I sort of looked around and I it was debilitating sadness to ask the question like who who are these people and like is this for me you know or is this for someone else and so what made that difficult is you know and I really I'm not like famous or or this like big deal but in my little bubble my little world I'm very connected in a lot of ways and meaningful ways to other people. And, uh, it felt like there was no way out of that feeling of like duty to others. And then in order to somehow be fulfilled and experience and seek my own joy, it seemed impossible inside of this sort of like, labyrinth that I made of my life and that is a very depressive idea um, to feel like I don't really remember what it's like to not feel like this I, don't, I feel like I'm a smart guy I don't really know how I would get out of this feeling and uh, it's a dark that's a really dark place a really dark place to be in and you know it, it's interesting this is my own stuff, but my own assumptions. But I remember feeling this about uh, baseball as well. You know, there's certain things that 
I assume, and I might be right, I might be wrong, that people just don't want to hear. You know, and I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, when you come back from an off season and playing professional baseball in the United States of America, nobody's trying to hear that that wasn't that awesome. And that you, you, you didn't, it was kind of fun. No one's trying to hear that. Mm-hmm. What they're trying to hear is you better be grateful, dude, that you get to listen to the Star Spangled Banner at 7.05 in a crispy clean white uniform for work every day. That's what they want to hear. And it's a really unpopular stance to say that, man, that's brutal. That was a brutal season. And I drank more whiskey every night than you could stomach or, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and this is my own assumption, but it feels to me like as grateful as I am for my life. And I, I mean, I live a crazy life, a crazy privileged life. Get to travel the world, a skateboard to work and a, work in a gym and, it's all made up and beautiful. Uh, but also, I don't think too many people would understand or want to hear that it's really hard for me to be there in that gym, which is like Disneyland for everybody who's there. It's the best hour of their day. But it's all the hours of my day. And every little like slight or like look or tone about like, oh, you're not going to work out with me or whatever. And again, I have to like reiterate that this this is going to sound egotistical and it's not coming from that place. But if I worked out with all the people that wanted me to work out with them in all the gyms that wanted me to work out with them, I'd work out at least four times a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm to prevent the guilt of that thing. And if I, if I said hello and goodbye to everyone and it's like, that's the shadow and the, and the light at the same time. What a blessing to have all these people that love your presence and want to be around you and want to be connected to the thing. And the shadow of it is like, I'm out of bullets, man. And I can't say bye to you for 20 minutes because I got to say bye to 20 other people for 20 minutes. And I sound like an asshole saying all this. And so, yeah, I think the depression part of that is um, my own story of like, well, I can seemingly endure and suffer this feeling or I can be an asshole. And those are two horrible choices. There's a third. There is a third. And that gets into a lot of work that like Kara and I talk about, for example, and this is part of the Hold the Standard Summit, which is like that suffering is inside of my assumption that those two are the same thing. Me being who I need to be as a leader is an asshole. That's an assumption that's inside of my brain. That's not inside of your brain. Because when I just told that story, you're like, I kind of get it, but like, that's not true. But in my head, that has been true. You know, and so coming out of this is is shining light into that blind spot of I can lead and be a friend and a leader and a follower in all of these people's lives in ways that serve myself and serve others. Uh, intuition and empathy, it can be like this big old nonstop wave of suffocation. Because I'm, I'm sure... I bet you and I could both go 
to the beach or go in the mountains and sit there and be completely happy with our thoughts for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. But they come to a certain point where that like starts to block us and inhibit us from other areas of growth. It's kind of like, like right now I'm longing to go on a silent retreat. Yeah. I've been looking at them too. <laughs> it's, yeah. But then if, like for me, like if I do that, is it going to benefit my kids? Yeah, is it a cop out? Is it what, what's the impact? Is right. it real? Yeah. Well, no, it has to, that, okay, that's where, so now I start looking at, well, I can't be my best, uh, best dad, best husband, best friend, best, you know, coworker. If I'm not my best, best self, if I'm not happy with myself, totally. And if I'm not feeling good and, and, and like myself and, can be happy with sitting there with myself, then other areas are going to hurt until that happens. So that's something, especially, you know, having two young kids, I struggle with all the time and things have to fall off the plate. Um, I'm going to get to that part in a second, but the other thing, the other option here, uh, so I was kind of smiling because, so you have this ability, right? And there's something about you that makes other people want to get better. All right. I'm not going to sit here and, and start exploring exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have this like, you know, you're somebody I don't want to disappoint. Okay. No, I, I, but I don't know exactly why. I can't tell you why. Right. I can't. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but it's a good quality, right? It's a it's a it's a good quality. It's some it's uh, natural, but he's also worked really hard to have that leadership quality. Mm-hmm. But also within that leadership quality, there's also areas for growth. So let's just say in that circumstance at the gym, um, somebody wants to work out with you, right? So in that exact moment, what does that person need? Right. What do they need? Yeah, it just might. It, yeah, it could be a, a number of things that have nothing to do with fitness, right? So they they exactly you just sitting standing next to them and doing some squats isn't like that's not what they need. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. yeah. So to focus on like what do they need and what what do I have to help them with that? So again, you're, you're, you can still provide a service for this person mm-hmm. that's really going to help them. That doesn't take forty five minutes, an hour long. Yeah. Uh, they might want reassurance. They might want yeah. a little bit of attention from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might want to feel connected. I, you know, yeah. I'm not going to say each, you know each person has the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But you can key in on that. Like, hey, what does this person need? Even if someone's angry. And this is something I'm, I'm actually learning this with, uh, uh, with my wife and, and trying to understand love languages. Because mm-hmm. obviously I, I operate differently. Yeah. It's not obvious to the listener, but it's obvious to, it's <laughs> obvious to us, right? <laughs> um, and so understanding that and that there is some growth there for, for leadership that in turn will make that person feel good and satisfied and acknowledged because they might just want a little acknowledgement mm-hmm. and makes you feel good because you're not having to go around working out with everybody mm-hmm. thinking that's going to save them. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not that little, whatever that little thing is, will, yeah. and it's, it's serving you as well. Yeah. And so this whole, uh, and I totally get the, the, the burden and the, uh, uh, enduring thing, but I think there's a little trick to all this that it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Like you can certainly. you can move a big old boulder without this blunt blunt force trauma. Yeah, certainly. And you know, I think the 
the cradle for all of this in leadership is that, you know, effective leadership, uh, you know, not only gets results, but it is accountable, you know, and at a certain point, there's this, this tipping point where you're able to endure to a point that it helps and serves yourself and the organization. And then there's a point where it's now impeding that ability. And, and I've crossed that point where I've become an ineffective leader in a lot of ways. Admittedly, this is open conversation amongst our, our team. And it's my responsibility, if I'm a, a leader, allegedly, to uh, address that. And, you know, my ability to endure uh, has consequences, negative ones. And so... I'm aware and we're all well aware that this is a project worth um, solving, uh, not just for my own peace, but for the on paper results that are required of me as a leader, you know, and I like that accountability. All right. Uh, how, how beneficial has the therapy been for you and why would you recommend it to somebody? It's been huge. So I think, you know, the main thing, anybody who talks about going to therapy, I think, uh, brings up or makes note of this idea that there's a lot of stigma around it. You know, I was one of those people who just, and just never crossed my radar as something that's relevant to me. Therapies for people who experience trauma or are crazy or whatever. And, um, yeah, I believe everybody deserves to be heard. And uh, therapy is an important process that as hard as it is and as uncomfortable as it is and as much as I try to resist it, you know, uh, on the day of because it's stressful and not going is much easier than going. Um, it's important because the things that we're all really trying to overcome are interpersonal, adaptive, complex issues that are not going to be worked out with, uh, I don't know, these technical means, you know, they're, they're not one vacation away, you know? And, um, for me, therapy is, is something I never thought would be a part of my life, but uh, I'm not really sure how I would be. I don't want to say here right now, but I don't know how I would uh, be able to transcend the challenges that I've gone through without it. Uh, just to, Let me just oversimplify this for the listeners in case it's not clear. Therapy is not a weakness. No, yeah. In fact, it's a, it's a tremendous strength. It's a tremendous strength. So if you're feeling like you need it or you want to talk to somebody uh, or, you're, or you know somebody that does, I highly encourage it. Um, being able to st step up and like face the music, that's, that's courage, man. Yeah. That's what it's about. But running from it and pretending like it's not there isn't going to solve it. You got to face it. You got to earn it. Um, it's it's 
the ability, like your 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 you know your foot's down, you're waving the, a powerful white flag, saying, "Help me." Yeah, it's so powerful that I, you know I'd say fully to anyone who's willing to hear it that it's really unfortunate that what gets people into therapy are sort of struggle that white flag like dire consequences uh you know feeling of hopelessness or something um after having seen it i would i can say fully that i wish that i would go into therapy with no real reason in the future you know what i mean to walk into that as like a as a tool in my tool belt rather than uh, something reserved just for a, a safety net or a savior you know they they it comes out yeah <laughs> they it's there you might think like ah i'm just here imagine if somebody just did that at, at, at the gym and you're going to do a, like a little analysis or like just check out how their movement is mm-hmm. and they're like well you know i don't feel like i need any help and they come in and you're like hmm Got you right now. Oh, for sure. It's always it's always there. Oh, you're and, the most suspect if you think there's nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's, yeah. Let's be clear. Yeah. No, I'm good. No, I just nope. Yeah. Uh, one topic that I don't want to let slide. And I almost just did, and because I want to move uh, uh, move into um, we were talking about you know the inside, and now we're going to start moving from the inside to the outside. Uh, but before that, I want to talk about why you started and what the relationship is like with jujitsu. Oh, wow. So my whole life I've been very ignorant to martial arts. So, you know, you say like Taekwondo, I'm like, I think that's like karate, but like mm. kicking or something, you know what I mean? Or like judo. I don't really know what that is. I mean, I do now, right? That's my general ignorance, right? Uh, but specifically jujitsu showed up in my life through meeting amazing world-class practitioners of it, you know, Tate, one of my mm-hmm. best friends, uh, helped me understand the context of jujitsu. And I need to understand like the higher level meaning and purpose behind something in order for me to commit to it. How many seconds did the context get you? <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh, on the mats? Well, uh, about 15 seconds, <laughs> you know? Um, so it needed to like check enough boxes in terms of purpose and utility for me to commit to it. Like, I'm not trying to like punch, you know, uh, wooden boards and shit. Like I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this for exercise. I'm not, it has to stand up in some rigorous regard. Now that being said, it's one of these long arc journeys that has made me who I am today. And so I'm interested in those types of pursuits. Um, and so it seemed like a good way to develop myself for the next 70 years. And, um, I am going into that with a white belt mentality in a way that I think is important to my development. I remember the time you, uh, came across a dude stealing your bike on the patio. Oh yeah, that's right. And you're like, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Not that you're going to, obviously now you're not going to necessarily, you're not going to jump on him and put him in a triangle, but yeah, the, I bet the level of I would be more equipped. Yeah, exactly. Now, yeah. 
To be clear, I threw that dude off the patio. I know, I know. <laughs> well, you, but I was very unprepared for that. Yes, in, yes. In so that's, but that's the thing. So, you know, being 6'3", 215, you can mongo people. Mm-hmm. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. Totally. And that's part of the journey is understanding that you could, if it came down to it, you could have just very gently put him under control yeah. and let him know, hey, this totally. isn't your arm for now. Totally. And this is like, Whatever the, you know, and in a peaceful way, control it. Anyone can just resort to to Mongo strength. It's a journey, right? It's the. It's a great, yeah. It's a great point. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a there's a conversation I actually have with Tate, and this is bringing maybe more clarity to the, this specific uh, love that I would grow for jujitsu. So not only do, does it check out for me in terms of rigor and utility, like using jujitsu pays uh, greater than another discipline, for example. Um, you know, I look at a guy like Tate, and for me, I'm, not, I'm uninterested in fighting people. You know, it's not like my, my uh, reason for doing it. Um, but what really interested me in it is that, you know, Tate told a story and I said, you know, why jujitsu? And he's also a... a very capable striker, you know, or was at least a world-class striker. And uh, he goes, that idea of throwing bones on another human, you're responsible for their life. You know, you don't know what, what's going to happen with that. And is that really the goal? Like, am I trying to inflict death or severe injury on someone? And if all I know is striking, then that's the only tool that I have in that that situation. And jujitsu affords you a tool that not only would keep you safe but the other person safe and that was a really powerful peacemaking type utilitarian tool for me that not only is Tate the safest guy in the room but he could maintain the safety of even uh, someone who's a threat you know and it's going to be okay you're just going to go to sleep and that's going to be what that is but if you don't have that ability you know, I'm on the porch with the guy with the bike. It's like, I'm going to either break my hand. He's going to break his face. I got to, I don't have the ability to guarantee both of our safety, you know, and that's a really compelling skill that you can't really find anywhere else in, in martial arts, you know? Um, yeah, there's a certain amount of, um, you're going, you're kind of moving away from, I don't want to say hate, but for lack of a better word, hate and moving more towards, uh, love. Yeah, which is way more powerful than than hate. Yeah, um, that's for another conversation because you can subdue somebody. I come across okay, so I've learned over the years, and you know, obviously, my, my position now I'm not as as um, you know boots on the forefront as I used to be, but I know uh, a lot of people are, and I have so much love and appreciation for them. But in a while ago, if I came across, say, a bad guy, mm-hmm. and then he w- was to try and fight me, my thing was that. Yeah. Um, but now, uh, if that happens, and it, it, you know, something came up recently, but I find myself controlling and then de-escalating and finding a mutual ground of love. Because yeah. now this person... This, this exact moment in time for this person, 
right now, let's just say he was stealing something from a house. Mm-hmm. Does this moment right now define him as a person? Yeah. Is this person uh, just an overall bad person? Or now I'm like, you know what? This person might have grown up by himself for a few hours. He might have grown up in an abusive, uh, his parents had an abusive relationship, or maybe one of his parents wasn't around, or maybe uh, his mom did meth when they were, he was a kid, or maybe he was the type of kid that was brought to the Santa Monica Pier at 3 a.m., which happens every night, mm-hmm. or, or ate Fruit Loops for his entire life and mm-hmm. never got put into a team sport, right? Mm-hmm. Or never didn't, had to go steal some food. There's all kinds of, maybe he was sexually abused. There's all kinds of stuff that leads up. Of course. And so that exact, and I've learned like in that moment, like that, that decision, this moment in time is going to, is going to push him uh, generally in one of two directions. And I'm interested in, in the peaceful recovery now yeah, and, and, and love and understanding. It's kind of this weird thing, but I think that in jujitsu is, is you find that like, it's not necessarily always about pain and hurting, but the other beautiful thing about it is the intelligence factor. Yeah. Right. And I think you're, it's perfect for you because you're really interested in learning yeah. and being a learner. And no matter what you're, there's so much more that you don't know than you do know. No, totally. Was there a certain moment you kind of realized and you looked up and you realized, like all of a sudden, bing, you could see and you're like, oh my God, this mountain is huge of information. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, I, this is my experience, but like the early days of jujitsu are really frustrating because it's such a technical learning type skill that, you know, especially in combat, you know, you're working extremely hard for your own life, you know, is what it feels like. Um, and when you're that ignorant, you're working extremely hard towards an end that you don't even know if is good or not. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that is such a debilitating feeling, hopeless feeling, right? It's like, you know, you're fighting in a language that you don't even speak, you know? So you're, you're just, you know, blabbing and working hard for positions that, yeah, you know, you're 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 a white belt rolling with a brown belt who's like you don't want to do that. And I was like, wait, I'm really trying really hard to do that. I don't. That's not even what I want to do in the first place. Well, sh- you know, so um, that level of ignorance is so apparent early on. And then if you can weather that storm, you know, if you can be patient enough, play the long game to get through that. Jujitsu is really beautiful once you are trying to do things on purpose. And you understand enough of the language, not necessarily to win or to, you know, assert yourself against someone else, but that you understand what's happening. You know, you give up a position and you know that that's uh, a loss, so to speak, and that you win a position and that's sort of like a win. The moment that you're doing things on purpose, it gives context and and is fun. Uh, I have written down here for some reason I just thought of it, but one of my... It's not a favorite quote, but I definitely respect it, and I think it's important in the context. It was from, uh, Einstein said that education is not the learning of facts, but the training of the mind to think. That's cool. The ability to to think critically is, you know, that section on the standardized tests back in the day, mm-hmm. critical thinking, whatever that is. Yeah, you realize really quick in the real world as like an adult, so to speak, that. the facts almost matter less every day. You know, this is what we talk about in the summit. You know, it's 2018, man. All the information is available to everybody. 
So, so is that really your problem? You don't have enough information? Do I know some magical thing that you don't know? And when I tell it to you, you're going to now be able to solve all your problems. Most of our, our, our issues are about, you know, the ones that give us trouble are about adaptation. Is what we talk about, you know, adaptive challenges that you would need to become a different person to solve those challenges. And when you become that quote unquote different person, you just, you're a more able, aware person. You can hold greater space and that has almost nothing to do with information and everything to do with your perspective, how you take and receive information, your ability to, to process the world around you. So I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to divide this into two layers and they're, uh, both outside of you, sort of. Uh, the first one is, because we've been talking about, and you're kind of referring to uh, right now, is, is what I would call like the second layer of people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to back it up a little bit and go to the first layer. And I'm kind of curious about your personal um, relationships to other people and how that is and how that goes about and, and kind of like the struggles there for you. Uh, there are a lot of different struggles. I mean, it's, it, it, it's, it's complex, but let me start with this. Um, I find that relationships are held in tension and without a certain amount of tension, uh, we're kind of just there and that tension can look like a lot of different things. Uh, it can look like power, it can look like experience or information there could be a mentee mentorship thing uh, and this is just my personal bias I'm not saying this is necessarily a truth but I want my relationships to support my growth and the growth of the other individual and inside of that I find that that book just to your right is really important this mindset book because I find it really difficult to live and share space and work and be in relationship with individuals who are resistant to truth. Now, almost no one would look you in the face and say, I'm not interested in truth. But what truth is, is everything. It's the good and the bad. And all those people who would look you in the face and say, you know, course i'm interested in truth you know they would also say uh across the board that they are very open and willing to hear positive information now what's rare is that someone would have the perspective or the ability to hold space for negative information if i had some sort of bad news for you some critique some feedback for you it never feels as good as the the pat on the back but individuals who using Dweck's words, not mine, uh, subscribe to this sort of growth mindset would look at feedback, negative feedback specifically, as an opportunity for growth. It uh, would actually inform how to grow, where you can grow. And I find that over and over and over again in my life, I struggle to be in any kind of relationship with people who uh, filter that. Like if I have to filter the truth with you 
then that feels like an unjust relationship. If I have to curate my communication with you to where I can only tell you how great you are and how great you look today and uh, all these positive things that you already know about yourself, then it's difficult um, it's difficult for me to give you that information if I cannot give you the negative feedback as well. And so I seek relationships uh, that allow me to help someone else grow or they help me to grow. And that largely, by definition, is centered around the ability to give and receive the truth, which includes negative feedback. I think that negative feedback is, first of all, I mean, you might feel me on this, but whose decision to say it's negative? It's information. Surely. Right? And so you might think it's negative. I might think it's really positive. And thank you for pointing that out to me. Because if you're sitting there and have some intention in your head and not putting it into action, I'm I'm a little offended by that. And I don't know if our relationship is going to work that well. For sure. You're also a generally aware, vulnerable, strong individual, growth-minded individual. There are a lot of people who cannot sit in that chair and uh, sit in comfort with what's truly in the mirror, so to speak. You know, like the part of the reason why we can have this conversation right now is that I think we both are coming to this table with a mind that is open enough to consider that uh, maybe we haven't figured it all out. And maybe there's some things that you're working on and some things that I'm working on and I have some weaknesses and strengths and you have that too. If we can't come to this table, then this is already a lie. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, uh, I agree with you. I certainly don't have all the answers. And I mentioned earlier, I kind of still have a lot of insecurity about even doing a podcast. Yeah. Like I'm like, who am I to have, I'm no expert just because I'm talking into this piece of metal and somebody might be listening to it. That doesn't make me an expert. I'm no one special. I just happen to do this thing where I'm taking digital information and it's reaching somebody's car stereo or something. Every it's, single person that's doing something like this believes that exact thing. World-class chefs are like, I'm an imposter. They're going to find out that I can't. I'm not qualified for these Michelin stars and that what we got lucky or whatever the thing is. Every artist, everyone who's out doing something on some level deals with what you just thought about. And this isn't like a knock on whoever's listening or people that maybe feel like they aren't doing something is they feed off of the vulnerability that you're expressing. Right. Yep. You, you yep. have the awareness that like you don't know everything yet. You're going to turn on the mic, check one, two, everybody listening. And you're going to deal with the vulnerability of putting something out into the world and people having feelings about it, both positive and negative. And now if you want to avoid all negative feedback and information in your life, you're not going to be doing much out in the world because that's a yep. pretty safe, guaranteed way to avoid that type of feedback. Yep. Yep. I actually want to, well, it's, it's also what drives me to do the homework, right. And to, to put together this, this, uh, each episode. It also 
you know, we haven't, the word em- empathy or empath, empath hasn't come up yet. But that's another reason why I don't necessarily do these every week. Yeah, it's I hard. I can't, man. Yeah. Uh-uh. Like the, the pressure of, uh, of like doing uh, something high enough quality that meets my own standards takes work. Um, it takes research and it takes thought. It takes studying. It takes listening. It takes, it's funny, man, like to, to prep myself for an episode, episode about you. I spent a lot of time learning stuff about me, mm-hmm. which is totally, which is good. I started, I'm like, I need to read this book. I'm gonna read that book. I'm gonna read this book. I have an episode. And this is all because totally. I have Logan coming on an episode. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that's just it. And that is the beauty in being vulnerable that people who are in, uh, unwilling to be vulnerable will never reap those benefits. You know, like, uh, um, I use this example a lot. Coaches prep feels like it's for the coaches in training. Guess who got to be twice as good of a coach making the program? I stole that. You know, I'm working on business prep right now. Yeah, I have a business and I know some things about business, but who's going to get twice as good at that thing in creating the vulnerable expression of it? I am. And now you're speaking my language because you just said, I don't do these every week because to do them to my standard is what you just said. Uh, takes a lot of work. Let me ask you a question that I think I already know the answer to. Of all the episodes you've ever done, have you ever finished recording it and felt like it was the perfect podcast? That mm. you, you've you never, Mm-mm. ever met your standard. So what, what are you, a liar? Well, you just told me you'd only do them every so often to meet your standard. Mm-hmm. You're striving to get to, to some sort of standard, This this view you have in your mind, and you've never done it. So folks that are listening at home, you're listening to a failure, someone who's never done the thing that he set out to do. I don't know why you're listening to this episode right now, but why are you listening? Because it's really, it's really good, really good. It's not whatever it is that you had in your mind ever. And you're the vulnerable one who's putting this out in the world, knowing that there is space between whenever you hit pause on this thing, between what these people are listening to right now and what you had in mind. And that in your belly is some some dissatisfaction that you live with and people who are non-contributing and and lack vulnerability are so afraid of that space between what they're putting out in the world and what they intend or what they idealize or whatever their standard is that they will just rather not participate and so thank you for doing the thing where you have a standard and continually fail to meet it Mm -hmm. and what we have as a result is a really really beautiful product out into the world you know oh thank you thank you um part of the part of also the process for me and this goes for the podcast it goes for and this is something i'm learning uh in my personal relationships also as a uh a person in a leadership position professionally because again just the position doesn't automatically make me a leader um is making sure that my intentions stay intentions. I want my intentions to become actions. And what I mean by it is somebody might, you might have a thought in your head, oh, hey, I should, or I might, hey, I should tell my wife how beautiful she looks right now. Oh, look at her, she looks really beautiful. And have it in my head. But then it just stays in my head. Yeah. My intention stays that intention. That moment's gone. But see, noticing that and then actually acting on it. 
and then not stifling that the, uh, a generous impulse mm-hmm. as it comes up. And, and that's something is, is one of the things I kind of weigh this on. I really start to think about what is my intention of the episode or, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't just record these. These aren't, it's not like, Oh, it's, it's Friday. It's, yeah. you know, I got to record one long format. Yeah. Here we so go. I got to record. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I need to be this. I need it. No, Mm-mm. this is all like on purpose and yeah. with intention. So also with that being said, I'm also super, 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 super selective on who I have on. Mm-hmm. I've been hit up by a lot of, uh, I don't say a lot cause like this show is not Joe Rogan, <laughs> but quite a few people who I'm not necessarily interested in. Yeah. And that's another tough part, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and uh, not to compare, but it's not like, I'm sure you have people that are amazing that come into the gym and want to be a coach, but it's it's not that easy. I would actually say it's a lot harder to become a coach. It's way harder to become a coach at Deuce as opposed to a guest on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but but so. I'm super selective. My point being, I'm super selective and I want to tell a story and that story generally um, is is deeply rooted in the guest, um, based off this universal ability to to have courage and grow in the face of adversity, and then have some type of service for other people. Um, and so we talked about your personal relationships, um, you know, within your your, your the family network, mm-hmm. but then going outside of that, and that is the greater community. Yeah. And this is the jam, right? This is uh, what you're most well known known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I forgot to mention this, but I was watching. Uh, I hopped on and I found your YouTube channel. Okay, <laughs> like yours, like yeah, okay. the one that was you know has your name. This is my YouTube channel. Okay. First of all, just watching the media development, oh, like man. the content of the ability to create content that reaches like you know online with you know video and sound uh-huh. whatever yeah has grown tremendously um, holy moly i'm nervous oh man so no <laughs> and so i watched the very first douche gym video with you and danny sitting on boxes oh, in yeah. front of the deuce. announcing the thing oh my god and <laughs> first you looked so sad right there oh, <laughs> yeah no. it was awkward for a while you were just staring at the camera like <laughs> 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 uh, but just and just you know I've been able to watch the growth, right? All the way from CrossFit LA and being intern and then the functional fitness on the bluffs and yeah. like, and then even opening Deuce and then to where it's at now. The journey has been awesome and incredible. And, uh, you know, shame on me for not being more part of it. No, stay with me because, okay. I mean, I literally have keys to do shame. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> And I still have it in my car thinking in case I need to go work out or go just go there. Yeah. I still have it. Okay, good. Hopefully you haven't changed the locks on me. No. But you said in the, in the video, like you guys were both describing what Deuce Jim was. Oh man. I want to watch this now. (laughs) Right. And it's, no, no, you said it and and what it's, you said it's a school of fitness. Uh Uh-huh. Now that's not necessarily entirely wrong, but I think if you were to remake that video now, what is Deuce Jim? Man, that's that's a it's a long arc, yeah. Right. It has it has evolved. So the idea, and this is where the the whole the standard sort of motto comes in, is the idea was to create a, a space that represented idealism 
that's what the standard is. That's what the, you know, the synonym, the standard, the, the ideal expression, the goal, uh, the place was, was built to embody that and that everything that happened inside of there and everybody who walked into that place would have to play up to this sort of standard. And that would be this sort of perpetual motion machine for development. Cause like I just said earlier in the example of your podcast, uh, the reality of human nature is we just don't ever reach this perfectionism. Now the context in which we were going to practice that is in the school of fitness, you know, we're a gym. So our expression of this pursuit for excellence was going to happen inside of strength and conditioning In a forward facing business sense, people come to Deuce gym to be coached and there's a number of different disciplines you can be coached in uh, as this thing evolves into many more gyms and it grows in complexity. The Deuce sort of brand is starting to represent this expression of holding the standard in more and more general senses. And that the details are important, right? We, we cannot give up the sort of technical core of how well we do the fitness part. But the real reason for being there is the general takeaway, right? We have to you know, seek to do the squats well, but it's not for the squats, right? That, that's what's informing these bigger ideas. Um, I just took a note because I want to forget it, so I'm going to spit it out right now. Yeah. You're right. It's not about the squat, but it is everything about the squat. So, and it reminds me of this quote, and that is, um, like how you do anything is how you do everything. Totally. You know, it's not about the squat, so to speak, but it's through that practice that we can be informed of the things that really matter and that matter beyond the gym that sort of transcend uh, the gym and, and work everywhere in our lives. You know, the example I talk about a lot is, um, you know, I, I, I spoke about the power of a specific hyper specific high level focus as a mechanism for learning highly transferable skills. Okay. So if you want to become a marksman with a rifle, I can teach you a lot about things that have nothing to do with rifles like discipline and training and, you know, uh, following through in a, on a, a long journey. Uh, these types of pursuits have lots of lessons for us. And I would argue that that is the best way to learn these general concepts. And someone proposed to me, well, does that work backwards? And I would argue that yes, you can learn general concepts and try the, to apply them specifically, but not at the same level of rigor. So let me use an example to explain that. Uh, what better way to learn discipline that you could apply everywhere in your life? than let's say the pursuit of uh, competing at a national level in boxing. Think about all the things that are incorporated inside of that hyper-specific pursuit that would inform you about discipline to where you could apply that to another sport, another relationship, a business, another habit in your life. 
highly transferable skill, discipline. Would you rather that highly specific route to learning that lesson or do you just go to the library and you read a lot of books on discipline and you interview a lot of people who understand discipline and try to take in all this general information about discipline and then try to apply it to something else. I think it really pays to have your hands in the dirt and mm. inside of the work hyper-specific. Is it about the boxing? Well, that's the tool to inform you of this thing. And so for us, fitness is just the mechanism for teaching a host of bigger lessons, namely holding the responsibility or the accountability of the space between your reality and the standard and that never-ending pursuit. And it could be anything. It could be racing cars. It could be baseball you know it could be whatever it is but uh that's what we're, we're there to do yep i also have this fascination with the standard that the idea of whatever that mental representation is it moves around for me yeah it moves it changes shapes and i don't know if i'll ever catch it totally. and i don't care well you never will i hate to break it to yeah, you you yeah. never will and it and it moves and when you get close to it it moves you know like for example, a short-term standard or mental representation or goal or whatever synonym you want to use could be some sort of highly specific metric, 500-pound squat. Well, as you start to accomplish that, we all move that standard. You know, the changes, mm -hmm. the goal changes. It might not even be a heavier squat. It might be, like you said, hey, a more robust fitness to use in my work or my life, you know. And... People, this trips people up because people are like, well, what standard? What do you mean? What standard is the right one? And it's not, that's not what it is. It's, we all have this mental representation. And the point that matters is the leadership quality of holding the standard is holding the space between where you are and that standard. Pick, I don't care what it is. Yep. You know what else I just, I just realized is that, and I don't know, I'm sure you might be the same way, but let's just say the goal, let's go to 400 for me. <laughs> but if that's my goal and I work so hard for for a long period of time now this is me personally mm -hmm. and this has actually caused some friction with other people in my life mm -hmm. and that is as soon as I get there and let's just say I do it there's like a fraction of a moment in time where I'm like celebrating and then I'm almost sad and then I'm immediately like what's next like I have to I need a new standard I don't it's because, and this is, it's is hard to talk about because it all sounds corny, and I believe that it's important to mention that everything that is corny is corny because it's true. So let's just like start there. Um, it goes back to the the reason for doing it in the first place is not accomplishing the thing; it's the process, and that's the part where we start rolling our eyes. But like, stay with me. We have to choose a standard or a goal to provide context because if it's all about the process and there are no accountabilities to rules and goals or whatever, then none of it makes sense. You know, I, I use a Muhammad Ali example, right? Uh, Muhammad Ali, that thing, the greatest of all time, that idea, that enigma only makes sense in the context of, boxing in the actual ring with the 12 rounds with the rules 
with the referee, with the wins and losses. At that weight class. At that weight. It only makes sense in that context. You can't take that same guy, give him the same name, same attributes, same height, same weight, same skills, and if you leave him in this garage shadow boxing, he's just as fast. Same right hook, same footwork, same charismatic deal. Everything's a carbon copy. Not the greatest of all time, because it never went out there in the context of that thing. You know, it's the reason why you, we say there's nine innings instead of ten. Because if you don't decide these things, mm-hmm. then none of it matters. It's in what context, right? And so we seek, as humans, we seek out environments that are going to give us this feedback, right? You have to declare it's a 400-pound squat and not a moving target. Because when you put 315 pounds on the bar, you realize the distance between that 315 pounds and the 400. 400 doesn't matter. It's just declaring where the lines are. Where are you going to draw the lines in the field? How many innings? How many strikes making out? How many outs make an inning? We need to declare these things or none of it has context. That kind of trips, it's a funny part, but that trips me out a little bit, even watching any game or sport. When I watch basketball, I'm like, do these guys know they're just putting this piece of like rubber leather inflated object just randomly through just like a little space of time in this little a tiny little thing and this totally. is all thing it, and they devoted their whole life right to it. i'm like and who decided it's exactly 10 foot and why is that the depth of that why is it even the shape of the rim and like this whole totally. it's like if i just said hey logan we're gonna make a game see the, that 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 third pad over there you have to go over there and tap it twice i'm gonna try and stop you yep that's <laughs> like, what we do because it, it creates meaning you know think about like uh this is a Law enforcement examples coming up. You get a speeding ticket. Okay, say this, this, the, the speed limit is 40, and you get a speeding ticket for driving 51. What do you do as the driver? You're like, man, come on, 51's safe. Like, you, like I'm going the speed of traffic, whatever you start to say. All right? And the reason why that doesn't work in court is because they decided that 40 miles an hour is the rule. Now, you can say all you want, like, oh, so like 43 is too fast, but, but 39 is okay. What does that mean? It's like we start to realize that mm-hmm. this is all made up, but it's important that it's made up. Yep. Without defining what the standard is, then none of this matters, and then it's just pure meaningless life. And so, yeah, of course, your standard is going to move all the time. Your goals are going to move and change, but it's important that you declare them and you put yourself in an environment that's going to show you your growth or lack thereof. Yeah, it's the, it's the path and the journey. That's what it is about. It ain't the, ain't the destination. Of course. Uh, I'm pulling out this book from uh, The Mindful Path to Self-Compassion. I haven't read it yet. I've gone through it. uh, But something you said made me think of this one part for some reason on 122. Okay. And it said, can we change? And so it it made me think of something you said about development and exposure to things, right? And and decision-making. But I thought this was a little bit fascinating. So I'm going to read a little piece. It says, can we change? New research by psychologists... Uh, Sonia, I can't say her last name, it's a long Polish name, and her colleagues show that our overall happiness level is determined by our genes, circumstances, and intentional activity. Uh, She says, happy genes account for about half of our happiness. Circumstances, uh, the conditions of one's childhood and present circumstances, like being married, well-paid, religious, and healthy, cover a mere 10%. 
The most interesting category is the 40% that refers to intentional activity. Our activities and outlook, that's what we do, such as exercising and spending time with friends, how we think, such as cultivating gratitude and kindness, and how engaged we are in our interests and values. So just by intentional activity, you can create a massive amount of change. Huge. And you know what's interesting about that is even if 99.9% of your happiness was predetermined, like they're saying some of it is, the fact that any of it is hinging upon our own purposeful action leaves it inside of our control. And this raises the level of importance of ownership of our actions and our, 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 our livelihood. It's chemically impossible to be a victim and happy at the same time. Because to take on a victim mentality is to relinquish all control in your life. And this isn't to bash victims of anything, but to take ownership of your reality is a cornerstone in Zen Buddhism, is a cornerstone in, in Stoicism for good reason. Because we cannot be... Uh, a reaction to the world around us and happy at the same time. We have to have some sort of say. And there's going to be a host of things, just like the stat sort of inadvertently said, there's going to be a host of things that are always happening to us outside of our control, predetermined, so to speak, where we don't have a say. But any latitude, any percentage of that that we do have a say is where we shine, where we make or break ourselves. And I always come back to that that we cannot be a victim and happy at the same time. Impossible. So you're, you cannot be a victim and happy at the same time. It's all written all around me, even on my little sword up there, that strength is a choice. And that's been a big part of this is being um, in control of your own predicament, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, who you are, your ability to withstand adversity you are the the captain of your fate right uh, the master of your fate the captain of your soul like it's up to you and so a little challenge i have for you is to use all that again you can't be a victim and happy at the same time but i want you to use all that and then eventually i'm gonna come back to my first question and later on i'm gonna ask you are you happy yeah. All right. Because earlier you told me no. And I'm, it's, I already knew the answer. Mm -hmm. But overall with um, development, play, um, really trying to figure out why, why that is, you know. Yeah. And eventually, because a happy Logan is going to, you're already unstoppable, but a happy Logan is going to be something that is going to elevate not only yourself, but it'll elevate others. Yeah, and they say like you know the line is, um, you know when, when when a man stands up against the odds or you know the the spine of others are stiffened. Yeah, you know, and especially the vulnerability that we're talking about here. Yeah, I think you're right, and the people around me support that as well. You know, they want me to be happy, and and it's important not just to me but to them. I think that 
is and uh, fair. It's a fair, and I don't know, I'm going to use that word in a kind of a funny way. It's a fair standard mm-hmm. for you to be happy. Totally. Because you are, you're not the intern anymore. You're not yeah. working at that shoe factory anymore. That's right. Um, you're not, you know, getting in arguments with park rangers over the weights <laughs> touching grass anymore. That's right. Right, you're not you're, you're not the truck that was stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're living in a beautiful environment and a time where you can easily connect with thousands of people across the world. Yeah, and you're doing what I think you love to do. And to go back to Dr. Miller, you're doing what you were given breath to do. Yeah. So you're doing this awesome, awesome thing that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So let's find some happiness. Yeah. I'm on board with that. And I'm taking action to... I mean, I'll show up. I'll show up. Don't, I will show up with a slip and slide. Don't make me. <laughs> That's right. I'll bring a slip and slide. I'll bring, I'll bring a pop-up projector. We'll watch Sandlot. That's right. We're going to have some fun. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I am uh, actively taking on the responsibility for, for that. And... Uh, and it's a, it's an empowering process. I, I've come out of like such darkness in this time, to where I feel like, um, if you know, it feels good to take action f- for myself. You know, I think all the people that learn from you, I, I, you know, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and think, and and say they probably agree with me, that all of them, for what you do, to have a, have a massive amount of uh, respect and care for you as a person even if they don't know you, because I know there's people all over the world that have never met you mm-hmm. and care about you. Yeah. And I think we're all in the, in, in the same ballpark here and they want you to be happy. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think you're right. And I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm putting it out there just because if I say it here, I'm definitely going to have to follow up with it, is that I'm going to do my part also, the best that I can do as, as your friend to help with that process. Yeah. Uh, I can't do it all, right? You got to do it. It has to come from inside. Yeah. But, you know, you'll see. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough? Fair enough. So this was obviously a little bit different. We spent as much time. First of all, I also want to point out a couple of things that we didn't really break down here. Uh, you've done, uh, you were just on uh, the Feed Me, Fuel Me podcast. Yeah. Uh, the Better Human Project. Mm-hmm. Am I saying these right? Yeah. The Why the Y blog. Yeah. So those, those ones, and those are some of the podcasts that I've listened to of, uh, that you were on and you spoke a lot about, uh, the hold the standard summit and leadership. Uh, we even talk about your book that's coming out. Yeah. Um, and how heavy of an emotional toll that is. I can't even, I, I mean, props to you because I, if I'm struggling to get, uh, uh, you know, one uh, measly little podcast, right? I can't imagine getting something permanently printed forever. And that's supposed to represent exactly my feelings. Yeah. Cause my feelings and my thoughts and emotions don't always match my words. Right. And that process alone is, I can't imagine. So that's a heavy toll, man. So once that's out, I bet you're going to find a, I don't know, maybe find a little bit of room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I feel that, uh, I'm ready to give birth to that thing. Uh, it, it, in a lot of ways has become a, you know, a growing bag of, 
of stones, you know, to carry around. Um, but I feel great about it. And um, soon I can share it with, with all y'all. Thank you for the ebook, by the way. Oh yeah, cool. You get to see. I it. think, um, and, and I know this is this is part of the deal. But so coming from so uh, being a, a law enforcement supervisor assigned a patrol in Southern California. If you guys don't know, I don't talk about it that much, but yeah. that's actually like my day job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not involved in fitness training as a coach anymore. But I have no intention of doing that. Well, a little bit. I mean, I have no intention of doing that either. Yeah. But me having a profession that has nothing to do with that stuff, uh, that ebook, and I'm sure, and for sure, the book that's going to come out completely helps me in my profession. And I know that's absolutely part of the goal. And so I just want to put a little, um, a little testimony on that. Thank you. Yeah. For for, if you're out there and you deal with people, check out the ebook. Yeah. That's like a selfish goal for me is that if it doesn't transcend fitness, then I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around doing it. Uh, just cause I, like I say very often, I'm just not that excited about the reps and sets or whatever, you know, I just, you know, so it has to be bigger and it actually challenges my understanding of something like coaching to see what is inside of that discipline, not just for, coaching in the context of fitness but in leadership of all kinds so we are we have created and are talking about a model that has almost universal application so i'm glad that you had that experience because that was my goal in writing it have you gone across the street at a higher angle or in some little hiding spot and just watched deuce there's one spot yeah, across the street, if you go to the that weird like two-story building right there. Mm-hmm. And I've taken pictures from up there before, and it's a crazy thing. There's also moments every 164th day where I'm like in the yard and kind of just like do a quick out-of-body experience where I just look around and realize just what a special place that is. And it's like no place on the planet. It, it, and, and I say that not taking credit because i'm sort of just in observation of a lot of beautiful things happening at once but yeah it's a special thing i was gonna say next time you're up there picture yourself um walking into the yard coming to your skateboard walking into the yard and uh checking in the office you know doing your thing and how you how you are yeah how you greet people your body language what kind of facial expression you're having mm-hmm is it is it inward? Um, are you appearing grumpy? Yeah. Are you looking like you're distant? Are you looking like you're actually not enjoying the moment? Yeah. Just have all those, and then just obviously completely detach and take a look. It's a great challenge, because I am hyper aware of how I show up there sometimes. That is another point that I was going to make was the standard, right? Now, obviously, you can get totally hung up on chasing that all the time. Like, did that person walk in with good posture? Did mm-hmm. they take their backpack off in a good position? Did they pick a location that's right? Did they lower and put their that backpack down? Mm-hmm. Like, or are they just holding the standards from when the clock goes beep until when it goes beep? Right, yeah. Because I'd say that's the easy part. Yeah. You're talking 
what's 12 minutes in 24 hours, right? It's nothing. It's a, yeah. The actual work is outside of the beeps. Totally. I don't know. I, that's what I kind of, I, I look to focus. I see someone like doing all this, like they deadlift perfectly. When they go put the weight away, they have total, <laughs> you know, flexion through the spine and rotation, which is ideal to, to shear your, your herniate, you get yeah. a herniated disc in L5 yeah. S1. Yeah. yeah. Like no, that's it. That's the spot where the standard is held. Yeah, not when it's someone staring at you, counting it. It all counts. Yeah, the other twenty-three hours of the day, right? Yep. Uh, kind of want to finish with this one quote, uh, and this is from Johann von Schiller, who's a playwright, and he says, "He who has done his best for his own time has lived for all times." I like that. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, this has been a complete honor for me. Uh, this podcast was definitely uh, in part started because of you. Wow, thanks. Uh, going back and doing the podcast for so long and then doing a podcast at Deuce uh, and then seeing what's going on around me and, and realizing uh, potential and also ma- making me want to hold myself accountable for my own standard. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, is this my standard? And no, it's not, <laughs> it's not my standard. That's right. Uh, anything that sacrifices, uh, you know, family, heart, dignity, you know, that's not my standard. Yeah. Th- so this is, and then putting effort and skin in the game and not being a spectator and then pushing this, not only pushing myself, but pushing the guests, mm-hmm. and and all based out of love and humility and growth together. So I just want to thank you for the experience. Hey, before I forget, what's happening? Oh. There, I got it. See, now you're not the only person in oh, the, uh, the strike movement family. Yes. Uh, so this is the, see if I can open this thing, the second coin that I've given you. I can't even open it. My hands are sweaty. I'm going to need a professional, uh, coin display case. Well, either way, we'll worry about that later. There you go. Thank you so much. It's my honor to present that to you. It's a Way coin. Um, the front of it says health is wealth. That is a podcast of in itself. In fact, actually, I've done one on it. I think it's episode four. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. And I don't want to run, I can't run over vulnerability of strength, right? That's very important. Yeah. And strength is a choice. And then on the back is the picture of, it's actually that, the lighthouse with a bunch of waves in a storm with light off in the distance, being calm, believing in itself, and out there guiding others. I mean, I can go on and on. I'm paraphrasing the meaning of that. Um, and also on there it says, get up strong and be unconquerable. Thank you, Scott. I hope, uh, I really believe that we are mirrors to each other and I, I value what you show me. So I hope to, to be that for you as well. And we're just two guys from LA. Just two dudes. Being dudes from LA, I tell you what, we are about 180 feet away from my high school crush's house. 
Whew. Feeling the vibes right now. What are the chances she's still there? <laughs> she's not. We'll go do a door knock. <laughs> she's not. Oh, man. Yeah. Nostalgia. Yeah. Yo, hey, man. I love you. I love you. I'm proud Thank of you. you. Thank you. Um, you're really good at what you do, and, and I'm honored to have this relationship. Likewise. Thank you. Now, for the obligatory information. Mm-hmm. I want to say it. Let me say this. Because it. it coming from you, it's going to sound like, you know, it's your thing. I'm selling something. Yeah. But you've had thousands of blog blogs on, on deucegym.com. Mm-hmm. Impressive feet. Holy smokes. I didn't even get into, like, how you, how you uh, organize your day to do all this stuff emotionally. Mm-hmm. Really impressive to me. Because, holy smokes, like, wow. It, it's seven years I think you've had a blog post up there every day five days a week seven and a half yeah almost eight yeah that process is incredible um because that's in addition to what you do on your Instagram page Mm -hmm. and in your stories yeah uh just that skill in itself is unbelievable so um I feel bad for you and I feel awesome for you (laughs) if that makes sense endurance Uh, right yeah shadow and a strength how about that yeah, yes, yeah, you know, and, and, but uh, yeah, I also challenge you at certain moments to think like, is this helping me get closer or further from my goals? Mm-hmm. And yep. sometimes that goal is, is, could be personal, like, hey, I need to be in this moment and happy. Yeah. Not like, hey, I need to go over there and sit by myself and do a blog. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Or just do it fast, I guess. Yeah. Do you get it? Ah, oh, we'll get it. <laughs> but anyway, so the, 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 Dushim blog is not like necessarily where the schedule, well, it is where the schedule is posted. Um, but also what you write on there is fascinating and is, and it brings a level of um, depth to the gym, which I think is really important. And I yes. recommend if you guys don't, if you're into like getting better period, go check it out and do some reading. Uh, and then I also recommend if you're in the LA area, in fact, one of our listeners just joined Dushim, uh, a couple of days ago. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. She hit me up like, "Hey, what gyms?" And you know. Oh, awesome. It's a it's a no brainer for me. Oh, cool. I told her I was like, "Hey, maybe I'll see you there one day." She's like, <laughs> That's right. You yeah, know, I have a key. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so douchegym.com and at functional coach. Yep. Uh, who wins uh, in names? Functional coach or developmental coach? <laughs> well, I'm a big Kara Miller fan, so i don't know maybe functional coach has been around a little longer but if i was picking stocks i'd pick develop, developmental coach huh uh by the way i went down uh i i think i've probably read all of her posts really that's good well just yeah i feel like she's been like one of these people who have been around for a long time and someone i should have known a while ago and didn't and now i see her i'm like it's like have you been hiding in plain sight yeah, she. Uh, it's really cool. I mean, selfishly, it's really cool for me to see her gain popularity in the strength and conditioning world. You know, she's doing this crazy uh, exercise. Uh, don't want to be a spoiler alert at the Power Athlete Symposium in December, and just on the podcast scene now. Yeah, it's cool. Um, so at Functional Coach at Deuce Gym, mm-hmm. uh, highly recommended. I and mean, everyone's following it already. <laughs> I don't know. But I also say, look between the lines. Don't just yeah. don't just speed through the post. Yeah, reading's important. I mean, uh, I, I say this a lot. Your preferences are not a great guide for what's best for you, right? Mm-hmm. Like your preferences aren't going to inform how you should train. 
the things you don't like or the things you need to do. Just because you don't like reading doesn't mean you're not responsible for what could be made available to you. And so um, it's three minutes of your life uh, might help. And the the education site, I think, is the thing I'm most excited about now. Prep.deucegym.com. A lot of free stuff on there. A lot of courses. Uh, Go check it out. Yeah. Also about um, books. It's like those are like the training weights of the mind. Yeah. If you haven't read a book in a while, read a book. That'll be a challenge. If you're interested in some of the books I recommend, I started using the hashtag Sisu Way Book Club. Oh, cool. There's, yeah. You know, these are the books that are on there are not books that I necessarily recommend to other people. Mm-hmm. They just happen to be books that I read that I liked, yeah. and I started like posting about it. Yeah. So. Um, Either way, Sisu Way Book Club, also uh, at the Sisu Way on Instagram is kind of the, the big one, and at one Scott McGee. And then, of course, like you're supposed to like rate and review iTunes and stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, I know that takes time, so if you do it, I appreciate it. If you don't, I still appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Maybe tell a friend. Yeah. I'm not necessarily interested in like getting all the listeners in the whole wide world and clicks and stuff, because yeah. I'd rather have... I'd rather have a hundred good listeners that are doing some action and getting in the game yeah. and involved and full of love and challenging themselves as opposed to just a thousand downloads. Right. You know, that's not, Passively. that's not, I'm not interested in this for like fame. Yeah. I'm not, it's not, you know, it actually would probably be a problem for me. <laughs> that's right. I've got a lot of room in your life. Yeah. For fame. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, also the show notes for this will be at the com. Uh, if you're listening to this, also, if you go to the actual podcast menu and look at details, there's some notes there. Oh, yeah. I'll do some links. I'll do the whole thing there. Cool. Um, anyways, anyways, folks, thanks for listening. I think we're going to go play some baseball and jump in the ice right now. Uh, remember that health is wealth, vulnerability is strength, and strength is a choice. So get up strong and be unconquerable. Thanks, Steve.